Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Phil Lombardo. Welcome, Phil. Craig, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you for taking the time. Everybody, this is the let's have a battle of thank yous. Yes. <laughs> Everybody's always happy to be here, and I'm always ridiculously excited <laughs> to yeah. get to talk to people. And I, I think that energy, I hope people play off that. Sometimes I'm afraid I overwhelm people. You know, this crazy maniac at nine in the morning. <laughs> um, but I'm doubly, triply, quadruply, quintuply excited because today is my last day for me to talk about, although I get to do it a lot today, yeah. the Move NYC event in Manhattan this weekend. Don't fast forward people. That's rude. Phil will be there, of course, and you should be too, dear listeners. Get moving by going to themovementcreative.com. So there's that. Um, so <clears throat> I always have, there's like these pregnant pauses and it's not because I can't figure out where to start. It's because I got so many ideas and so, so many, many places choices to pick from yeah. and it kind of sets the tone and I'm just like, well, let's go, let's go really meta today, Craig. Um, when you have your first opportunity to work with someone new and, and maybe it's not even like they're at the clinic and you know, they have an appointment and they're going to be like, possibly a paying client, but just that opportunity to like, here's a new person. Um, and maybe you're just moving with them. Maybe you can see they might need a little help because they're like a, like a gate issue or something. Yeah. So we have that first time that you encounter a person. Um, how much of it is like a thing that you intentionally bring to bear or are you able to just like move and hang out with people or does the analytical, uh, I'm going to say superpowers that you have. Do the analytical superpowers, I don't want to say overwhelm you, but do they automatically engage every time you work with somebody new or you have a chance to interact with somebody new? Yeah, that's a great question, Craig. Um, I would say that over the years, I've learned to quiet that just a little bit, just for my mm -hmm. own relaxation, my own peace of mind. So that if I'm out moving, <laughs> I can just go out and move because it used to be all the time, you know, when I was at the gym or, or or somewhere else, uh, or at a 5K, you know, I'd be looking at people's running and gait analysis. And I mm. finally learned maybe five years ago yeah, or ago. so. Yeah, exactly. It's still a work in progress, <laughs> of course. But I learned, I learned to quiet that down. But the second that they ask me a question, oh my God, like my brain lights up. Like I wish they could do an MRI study of me just hanging out. And then me of when somebody asks me a movement question, uh, you know, mm. hey, I have this problem. And I'm like, great. Let's, you know, tell me more, you know, and it's, it's just exciting to, like you said, yeah, I, I actually do refer to it with patients as a superpower. I, I, I say that they are, that, that we are uh, making magic or miracles happen and changing people's lives every day, which if you think about it is 100% accurate, mm. you know, magic mm. or miracles are just things that people don't understand. Right. So, so I do a joint mobilization or I, or I do a trigger point release or something that they're like, Oh my God, that my neck moves in a way that I never could move it, you know, to them, that was a miracle. And, you know, it helps me to still appreciate what I do and not take it for granted. Um, you know, and, and literally changing their life where for months, maybe six months, two years, five years, I don't know, they've had this, uh, pain and, and they've had this dysfunction. And it's impacted their life and taken away something from them. So, yes, as soon as they ask me a question, my my brain lights up, and certainly the energy and the excitement with me. 
And then to see an actual change, like to see this stuff work. I got my uh, doctorate at NYU 20 years, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and to see our, our, to see this stuff in, in effect, having an effect on people and seeing them like feel it and be like, oh my God, that actually worked. Cause maybe they've been to physical therapy that was crap, to be honest with you. Maybe they've been to what I call drive-through physical therapy, which is just, you know, throwing something at it. But, right. but a doctor of physical therapy providing, like you said, the, um, the curiosity and the precision of movement and, and the assessment, the awareness of what's going on for this person through evaluating them, but also through just listening. Oh, every time I do this, you know, the emotional component about it as well. Oh, sorry, I'm going off on like eight different tangents no, here. I, I was saying, <laughs> thinking one of the things that you mentioned that I had read before, uh, before before the call was about deploying empathy. And I'm like, oh, yeah. you had me, you know, because like my personal stake involves compassion and understanding. I'm like, oh, that's a big thing. And uh, as you were describing the way that you engage with people, the way that your your brain literally engages, but the way you conceptually engage, uh, I'm wondering about... I don't want to say the medical establishment, but I'll just say the medical establishment. <laughs> I'm wondering if you've seen, like, I'm curious about what, what really goes on when like two doctors interact and not because I'm like, I'm not a physician. I don't play one on TV. I have no medical qualifications whatsoever, but I'm wondering if you've had interesting experiences with other, probably other therapists, but if you've had experience with other uh, what are the people, gerontologists, mm -hmm. the people who work with geriatrics? Mm -hmm. um, have you had interesting exchange with those people where you've managed to share some piece of your spirit or your passion, you know, by showing them, you know, there's this piece here that is actually easy to add in. Maybe I'm hypothesizing here, yeah. but I'm curious about how your reaction is, how your interactions are with other medical professionals, other PT people who don't start from the same uh, mental place as you? Yeah, that, that's a huge challenge for me and a huge point of frustration for me because whenever I talk with somebody, now I'm very, very lucky. I, I've worked in the same organization for 18 years and I've gotten extremely, extremely advanced mentorship on interpersonal neurobiology, emotional intelligence, nonviolent communication, and a number of other things that have literally changed and transformed my life. This is not all self-development. This is, mm. uh, you know, some self-development, but also some a ton of mentorship that has helped me along my way. And accompaniment where I'm in an organization where there's 60 different people that are studying the same topic. And so with them, I can have a very deep conversation where they offer me empathy and resonance. I offer it to my patients. They will call me out if I'm if I'm uh, left brain shifted and and I'm just clinically thinking about the biomechanics of it and not thinking about the person that I'm treating and um, and help me to explore other needs that might not be met. And so I can do that with my patients. But within the medical community, I, I don't know, I, I don't want to take away from anything because I haven't had that long of extensive conversations with people. But most people tend to go to either number one, the biomechanical, pathophysiological, anatomical problem, or number two, use empathy and uh, mind-body connection as a buzzword or as a great idea. You know, they'll say, oh, 
I love what you're doing. I love everything that you're talking about. And one day I want to open a retreat center that does that. And I'm saying, well, well what about your medical practice? <laughs> Why not do it now? <laughs> right. And, right. And, and they're just like, yeah, no, no, I always incorporate that. And I'm like, mm, you know, as they talk to me mm. uh, again, not that they're not empathic or uh, wonderful, emotionally connected with their patients, but the level that I'm talking about doing it uh, constantly to discuss, uh, to pick up on it, the awareness of a person's, you know, why they're injured. How does pain get perceived in our brain? How does pain get processed in our brain? How mm -hmm. does this, what does this dysfunction mean to them in their life? Because if you don't answer that, you're just throwing things at them, which might help them. You know, you could throw things at them and it might be boom, great. And they're, they're solved. Something clicks. But if you really connect to them, they're going to be um, more on board with your medical plan. They're going to be more uh, participatory with the medical plan, you know, versus poor patient compliance, poor patient attendance, you know, all those things get addressed. And guess what? Their outcome then becomes better. Because mm -hmm. they feel heard, listened to, and that I really understand them and that I am accompanying them. I'm not just the last thing I ever want to be. Sometimes I motivate people, but the last thing I want to be is a Tony Robbins. I do not want to be a David Goggins or a Tony Robbins. I love those guys. I look to them and I think there's some interesting information there, but I, that's not what I want to be for my patients. Uh, yeah, so many things. Uh, <laughs> Ready, go. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I read that you mentioned, and I don't, I don't think you mentioned the patient's name, but you mentioned a patient, and what you were just describing reminded me of this small anecdote where she, her, her story, like the fear that she had, I think it was a woman, um, was not so much about her body or her pain or anything. It was like she had this preconceived notion of what PT was going to be. Um, and when you were talking about empathy and, and understanding, I'm like, yeah, if you're the type of person who's empathic and that's where you come from, like as, as you are, yeah. then you're going to see that and you're going to be like, oh, well, here's, here's what this patient needs. And it's not how to do reverse leg curls or whatever. It's, right. it's no, no, this is what PT is going to be like for you. And, and that sense of empowerment that they would get, uh, by, you know, realizing that they really are in control, even if you yeah. go to your heart surgeon, you know, you really are in control, even though you feel like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'll just sign anywhere. But like there, that's an interesting, I'm not interesting. That's a, a delightful way to, yeah. to interact with that patient or that person you're consulting with. There's so many different ways that we tend to give empathy, right? Like reassurance or education. Yeah. And that is the, there's more and more research out there that's showing that that is not that does not help the situation. Well, it can help the situation. I'm, I'm sorry, but first giving uh, some acknowledgement and some resonance, you, you know, if a patient came in and said, Oh, I, I heard physical therapy hurts. And I say, Nope, we don't do that here. Like, no, that that's not gonna, that's not gonna do it. But if I said to them, yeah, there's a lot of places out there that do that. And, and that's a very real thing. And I'm sorry that you're feeling any stress. You're coming to a medical provider for help. And you're feeling stressed. God, I, I, I feel terrible that you feel that way. Come, let's just talk first. You know, and then we let's talk for 15 there. or 20. Let's just talk. <laughs> and then can I do this? You know, so I'm very gentle with the patient. Can I do this? Is it okay if we do this? How does that feel to you? And I'm checking in a little extra, you know? And, and again, it's treating every patient differently. I've been doing it for 20 years. But if I think I know it all or I got this or I know I can help this person, 
I've, I've completely lost it. So I start fresh mm -hmm. with each patient as if it was, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I'm just starting new. Uh, I should just press stop right there before I wrap up by <laughs> saying anything else. I'm uh, a couple of minutes ago, you were talking about um, left brain. There's not, nothing wrong with left brain, like yeah, <laughs> that exactly. side of the analytical thing too. Yes. But I am like a lot of people, I tend to fall into that, right? I'm a very analytical person. And so you were talking about that. And I think most people don't understand what we, what we mean when we say like the biomechanical model, which is not how human bodies work, but like, oh, it's a hinge and it's a lever. No, right. but that model and the, um, the disease model, we're like, okay, yeah. what's wrong here? As yeah. a, so that, that's like, a, um, I don't want to say a mindset. I'm, I'm wondering if there are ways that, uh, I love to try and find actionable things that we can say to people like, okay, like this happens to me. I go out running. That's usually my first mistake. <laughs> then at some point I'm running and I'm like, Ooh, what's with that? You know, I, I always joke my like check knee light comes on, you yeah. know? And then if I, if I take my time and change my cadence and maybe figure out like, Oh yeah, why is my back? You know, like I can kind of work through it, but I think that's because I don't want to say I'm experienced, but it's because I've spent a lot of time moving and I've yeah. done a lot of like, Whoa, let's do a movement screen. And I'm imagining somebody who might be listening to this going, yeah, that's nice. You guys, I hear what you're saying, but I got this problem with my foot. Yeah. And I'm wondering if there are things we can suggest to people like how to shift from the analytical thinking and more into a way of being in your body. Yeah. Not like that's going to cure the problem, but that just might help them understand well, actually what I'm really feeling is this real weakness in my leg. What's up with that? Yeah. Um, am I making sense? Is that a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And what I learned years ago, this is a, again, a personal philosophy that applies to this. And I think applies to what you're speaking to is that if I am at home, I don't want to do my taxes. Now, what the <laughs> hell does this have to do with movement? I don't want to do my taxes because I am not good at it. I do not know how to, I could do it. Correction. I could do it, but I'm not going to do it well. So yeah. the biomechanical assessment, you don't want to do yourself because you don't know how to do it well. But, but emotionally, you are the expert of yourself. So what can you give yourself? Again, empathy, awareness. There are MRI studies that show that decrease, uh, I'm sorry, naming the emotion that you're feeling can decrease the stress in your amygdala by 50% just by naming it. So if you say, mm -hmm. I feel tight, I feel frustrated jesus christ is this back pain coming back again like i'm so fucking frustrated with this pick up my socks right, right? just just <laughs> that one. saying that for yourself again you're not going to beat yourself up you're a piece of garbage and this and this you're not beating yourself up if you name the emotion and give it acknowledgement that can decrease your stress level by 50 percent which will in turn decrease your cortisol levels, which will decrease your inflammation. So if you want to help, the best advice to help yourself is the biomechanical assessment, go to a professional, seek out a professional for that. Hopefully they will also add in the, the empathy component. Maybe, maybe not, I can't speak to that, but leave the biomechanical assessment there and then do some self-reflection for yourself and give yourself empathy and resonance as far as what you're feeling. And that, I would say, is the best thing for people to, uh, to help themselves and get to the bottom of their problems. 
Because there's, there's so much. When we talk biomechanical assessment, right, I use so many different models. I use the practice of natural movement, which is uh, formalized by MoveNat International. I use that, certainly. I use, and actually we're developing a screening system currently with about 15 different medical professionals internationally. Um, I use the functional movement screen. I use my doctor of physical therapy evaluation with active range of motion, passive range of motion, manual muscle testing, special tests. I use all that stuff. I use medical imaging. I just, you know, physical therapists can refer patients for MRIs. I just referred somebody yesterday. Instead of taking two weeks to go back to her orthopedist and do all this stuff, I ordered the MRI. So I have all these different tools at my discretion. I want to acknowledge that I still use that stuff. It's not just oh, by talking to somebody and giving them a hug, their ankle suddenly feels better and goes away. <laughs> but there's there's so many biomechanical tools that we can use. And if somebody else comes in and says, oh, well, I use this method, I say, great, can you tell me more about that? Because I would love to learn about it. I'm, my mm. ego is not big enough um, that, uh, that I can't learn from other people still. So, mm. yeah. Mm, so many, so many things. <laughs> uh. Uh, turn signal completely left turn. Yeah, I watched a, a a short Instagram video of you doing some what I would call low gate work on a bar, um, you know, so squatted or the way yeah. birds would sit across the bar, and just moving. And uh, the video was sped up, and I was going real fast. Yeah. Um, but I found ew, I don't know five seven years ago I was doing a challenge involving uh, wearing Feiyu minimalist, you know, mm -hmm. minimal shoes. I wouldn't even call us minimalist these days, but wearing basic Feiyu shoes and yeah. doing bar precisions, not at height or at big distances. And my little foray into understanding how my feet worked, mm -hmm. I think it changed all kinds of things. Like I think just being, you know, like the first time I jumped on the bar, I was like, oh, ow, that hurts. Yeah. We need to make this much shorter, much closer. Um, and I'm just wondering, I think... Um, I say that a lot. I'm wondering, cause it's true. I think that feet are, uh, underrated isn't quite right. Feet are under recognized mm -hmm. or under certainly underappreciated. We, most people just jam them in their shoes and torture them. Uh, and I'm, I'm wondering if you've found some interesting exercises or things that can challenge people to maybe kick their shoes off and, and try some movement. I'm a big fan of like a schedule 40 size, uh, inch and a quarter inch and a half round steel pipe. I yeah. think it's a nice size to get your foot on and you yeah. can get some, uh, what is that? Metatarsal movement. Yeah. 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 Um, so I'm, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are. Cause I know like the, the nerve density is like the same as your hands. And yes. it's like, there's as much down there as there is on the end of your arms. Yeah. The feet are so underutilized both as far as function and mobility and strength and, um, you know, proprioceptive feedback. So, so the nerves are receiving information from the ground to tell us where we are and the joints are, mm -hmm. are, um, are, are telling us where we are in space. And when we put them in, in these sneakers that we currently have, they're almost uh, like wearing, you know, oven mittens, you know, so if you put oven mittens on and walked around, good luck, you know, using your <laughs> smartphone and good luck your using the computer. Right? Yeah, exactly. You can do it. You, you know, you can do it. But and, and your body will adapt to it, and your body will learn how to how to how to get around that because our bodies are very very good at uh, at adapting. But you know, take the shoes off. Number one, try to walk in uh, as much ground as you can. Whether it's you know, unfortunately, we live in a concrete jungle most places. 
But as much dirt and grass, you know, if I'm in my backyard, I'm barefoot. If I'm hiking, I'm wearing either like an earth runner, six millimeter, you know, little piece of rubber between my foot or, and then I just started getting curious. I said, well, can I hike barefoot? And so when I went out with my kids, they're younger, they were a little slower. It was the perfect speed. So, and I adapted to it. Did I get a little ooh, ooh, poke here and there? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and again, emotionally, what did I think it was? I thought it was, uh-oh, this is danger. This is a problem. What am I doing? This is stupid. And I had to process that emotionally and say, no, keep, try, keep, keep trying. You're not getting in. I'm okay. Yeah, here you're, not, you're not injured. There's nothing the next day. There's no pain. There's no cuts. Um, and sure enough, you know, my body has adapted to it. But the second thing, yeah, like you said, the one and a one and a half inch pipe or simply we use at MoveNet, we use a lot of two by fours. It, it's almost like a slight regression from the pipe. So you'll have a little more space, but it feels like you're off the ground. You're, you're kind of a target of only a certain distance. And I was actually just thinking this morning, one of the topics I'm doing is rehab uh, at the Move NYC event this weekend and uh, rehab and injury prevention. And an important part of that is balance. And I said, dear Lord, how am I going to fit that into my, that's one of six topics. I'm saying I could do a whole other hour just talking to people about, <laughs> about balance, you know, give me a two by four and we can do a half hour workout, whether it's lunges, split squats, sidestepping, um, lowering tripod transitions, you know, you name it. There's so much that you could do on a very narrow or unstable surface. So I encourage people to challenge themselves and see what happens, you know, get a two by four out, get a piece of pipe and uh and just move around turn back and forth walk sideways walk low to the ground and see what happens for you you'd be amazed the spine hips knees ankles everything starts to come into play terrific as i often (laughs) say uh i'm watching our time slip away phil i think i will just say and of course the final question three words to describe your practice Uh, okay so i went with curiosity awareness and precision um, Pre- precision precision right? yeah because yeah. I, I don't know man you know the curiosity is one thing like you said when that when that patient asks me hey what's this problem that I have uh, you know I, I like up the, him and I are connecting over our curiosity as human beings you know we want so often to be comfortable and to get into routines and there's nothing wrong with that but sometimes we lose our humanistic instincts for curiosity whether it's with movement with an injury and hey I'm curious can I overcome this you know it feels frustrating we feel stuck so we stop and we don't do anything uh, and then the awareness of you know again just not pushing that stuff away just you know, letting it come to the surface, letting it get acknowledgement and, you know, keeping our eyes open. I mean, you know, we can go down a whole matrix rabbit hole, but again, whole other <laughs> podcast, whole other podcast. Uh, it was so true with movement. You know, I get, we get a doctorate of physical therapy. We come out and we work in factories where we're just mass producing, you know, general movement and exercise. But if I have the awareness to hear what my patient's saying, recognize what's going on for them. We're going to have a deep bond and, and their outcome is going to be much, 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 much better. And of course, the, of course, the precision, you know, you can't just go through saying, hey, I'm working hard. Hey, I'm working hard. Hey, I'm working hard. Well, what are you working on? Uh, you know, movement. Like, okay. You know, let's, let's get into that. Let's get out from the theoretical conversations and let's start to get into you and me conversation. What's going on for you and what's, you know, being more precise with the connection, with the movements, with the sensations with just just all of it so curiosity awareness and 
precision are things I think about every single day of my life. Definitely. Terrific, Phil. Uh, it was everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> Same, Craig. I, I really appreciate your um, equanimity. If I can trot out big words, that your you know your your passion comes through. You know, and those uh, nobody can see you but me. But like you're an animated <laughs> person. But there's also a calmness and a relaxation about it, which I really find a great way to start my day. Nice. So thank you so much for taking the time and I look forward to seeing you this weekend. It's going to be a blast. Yes. I'm so excited. I look forward to seeing everyone in the listeners. It'll be out there. So come on down guys. <laughs>